Today is June 20th, 2022. Happy Monday, everybody. You're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. I'm Jamer Brazil, your host. Support for the Happy Market Research Podcast and the following message comes from Michigan State's Marketing Research Program and HubUX. The Michigan State University's Master of Science in Marketing Research Program delivers the number one ranked insights and analytics degree in three formats, full-time on campus, full-time online, and part-time online. New for 2022, if you can't commit to their full degree program, simply begin with one of their three core certifications, Insights Design or Insights Analysis. In addition to the certification, all the courses you complete will build towards your graduation. If you're looking to achieve your full potential, check out MSNMU's program at broad.msu.edu slash marketing. Again, broad.msu.edu slash marketing. HubUX is a research operations platform for private panel management, qualitative automation, including video audition questions, and surveys. For a limited time, user seats are free. If you'd like to learn more or create your own account, visit hubux.com. This is episode 556, and 20 years ago today, according to Alexa, Thong Song by Cisco was the number one song in the U.S. Enjoy. This thing right here is letting all the ladies know what guys talk about. You know, the finer things in life. <laughs> Check it out. Who that dress so scandalous? And you know another nigga can handle it. So you're shaking that thing like who's the ish? The look in your eyes so devilish. Uh, you like to dance on the hip hop spots. You cruise to the cruise to connect the dots. Not just urban, she liked the pop. Cause she was living la vida loca. She had jumps like a truck, truck, truck. Thighs like a This is the second installment of a two-part series on the topic of tips for managing your Gen Z employees. In May 2022, Chris Hauk, founder of Haukai, and Chris Sowell, founder of Thoughtful Research, gave a talk at QRCA's annual event in San Diego. The talk was titled Connecting Generations. Their work analyzed how each generation views both itself and other generations. It was very insightful and an interesting topic. You can find links to both of their profiles at the end of this blog post. I know that they would both love the opportunity to engage with you about the research that I'm going to discuss right now, as well as any potential research you have about generational differences. So let's start with the framework of how Gen Z views themselves. According to Chris and Aaron's report, Gen Z views themselves as tech-savvy, open-minded, creative, fast learners, and detail-oriented. However, other generations view them very differently. All generations see Gen Z as tech-savvy, so that's like categorically the same. However, there are some negative views held by older generations when describing their Gen Z and many times subordinates and children. Entitled, lazy, needy, moves too fast, and narcissistic. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that categorically those are the attributes that older generations see or cast put on Gen Z. Those are just some of the negative attributes that bubbled up towards the top of the research that was done by 
Chris and Aaron. While all of us have struggled with scrutiny from older generations, I mean, reflect back on yourself as you have grown through your career, we have to understand that things are very different today. We are in the tightest labor market in the last 30 years. And this tight labor market means that companies are having to cater more and more towards what employees want, what they need, and even desire. Simply put, if your first job was in the 80s, 90s, or even early 2000s, you probably had a lot of adapting that you had to do into your work environment. Let me give you an example. So for me, I'm a Gen Xer. I had to conform to the value system of my boomer boss. The outcomes were really about like work-life balance. In fact, my generation, we had to get approval for doctor appointments, and that approval needed to be gained two weeks prior to the doctor appointment. Additionally, not only were we required to get approval, but like that's even for like a 30-minute dentist appointment. And if you were out of the office for that dentist appointment, more than that allotted time that you took off, then you were probably going to get deducted maybe like half a day's worth of work. I mean, it was a pretty controlled environment and you knew that you were required to show up at nine o'clock or eight o'clock or whatever time it was and work until the end of the day. And not only were corporate policies prioritizing time at work, but boomers and Gen Xers, they saw working long hours as quite literally a badge of honor. So I had one of my peers at the company that I'm referencing, which I won't, I won't say their names, they're still in business and I actually care very much for them. But one of my peers in his first month, he wound up sleeping under his desk for a whole day. So he was literally in the office for 24 hours. And I asked him why, now you got to keep in mind, we we're in the Bay area and we had a, you know, about a one to two hour commute each way. So it was, it was fairly like difficult. He just said, that's just part of the environment. I just want to get immersed in my work. So like there definitely was a prioritization on work, not life and as it is right now. I remember when I got my first job, the advice that was given to me by my dad was, if you want to be the best employee, then you will be the first in and you'll be the last out every single day. Now, we compare that to this TikTok from a Gen Zer who's explaining to his boss why his boss should really care about the outputs, not the inputs, e.g. time in office. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm doing really good. That's so good. I wanted to schedule this meeting because sometimes it says you're offline during the work day. Yeah. And I you know, Jack, I really hate to cut you off, but um, <clears throat> okay. that assignment that I had last week, did you ever receive that? Yes. Okay. And the week before that? Yeah, I got okay. that one. And how about the week before that week? Yeah, I got that okay. too. So if all of my assignments are being turned in on time, there's no reason why I need to be staying glued to my desk all day. Yeah, simple, simple. I'm not doing that. Well, it's just kind of policy. Okay. Well, if I have to do that here, I'll find another job. Everybody's hiring nowadays, Jack. Do you forget that? Now be warned. Don't be offended. Being offended because a generation has a different value system is quite literally a trap. Listen to what this Gen Zer is actually saying. He's, and I quote, you told me what to do. I did it. What's the problem? This leads to our first tip. Identify what is important. That is the outputs. Now, as a manager or an owner, you need to prioritize what you care about. Is it attendance? If that's more important than the actual deliverables, that's totally fine. That needs to be something that you are measuring and grading your employees on. 
You need to be clear on what your internal expectations are. This will give you a lot more peace as a manager. I can't underscore this enough. I hear it from lots and lots of people that I consult with and even friends of mine. You need to be true to yourself. Don't feel bad about prioritizing things like an early start or uh, whatever overwork done. That is really important for you to be clear on what you care about and that you can talk to your employees about that as well. Okay, second tip, don't micromanage. Let your employees have a strong influence on when the work starts. The flip side here is that you also need to be clear on what work needs to be done in that time frame. So when workday starts, that makes sense. And then what is the work that actually needs to be done? Now, remember, just because you can't see your employees at their cubicle, assuming you have a remote environment, it doesn't mean that work isn't being done. A lot of times, employers, I found, they will default to work isn't being done, in which case it can undermine trust. And you need to trust your team because if you don't, you will wind up micromanaging. So for example, for me, if I see an employee who is often offline on Slack and my Gen Xer mind, it kind of like defaults to, well, they're likely watching Stranger Things for the third time or whatever. This really leads to mistrust. And again, it, it resentment, honestly, is where it nets out because I feel like I'm working harder than them. But don't give in to that. In my early days as CEO of Decipher, I would walk around the office and I would check in on people. And this was just a walk. I was just making sure that everybody was able to, there were no barriers and everyone's getting along and you know work was being done, et cetera, et cetera. It was just really easy for me to gauge what employees were doing, but I wasn't using that as a time to check in on them. Are they actually doing work? I mean, alt tab was the thing then, just like it is right now. Employees will always outsmart you if that's their objective as if they're actually trying to work. What you can't trick is the actual outputs. And so again, you want to be really clear on the outputs and you want to be, and this will help unlock the need to micromanage. The third tip is to verify those outputs. So trust is the first half of the equation and verification is the second part of the equation. If you prioritize start times, for example, you, you just really need to be crystal clear what time work starts. And then that's what the person is measured on. But how you would do that, it can be really tricky, especially in a remote environment. If you prioritize tasks, on the other hand, or projects or whatever the outputs are of the work that the person is doing, oftentimes that can actually be measurable. So here's my man management framework. At the start of the quarter, I set a specific goal for each direct report. So for example, uh, if it's sales, it's number of leads that are generated per week or on time. If it's operations, it's on time project deliverables, as well as on budget project deliverables. And then the second thing that I do in my framework is this gives each subordinate a clear picture on what they need to do, and it helps them prioritize their time whenever it is that they're getting their work done. So uh, it's it creates a lot of clarity. And it's also an unbiased assessment on how they're performing, as opposed to these like micro exchanges and kind of subterfuge that's happening in a lot of the operators that I interact with minds. So it's really easy to misinterpret things as not work. But the problem is you have to own as the manager the actual work that needs to be done by that employee and then make sure you're talking about that with them. So that leads really to the next part of the evaluation or the, the verification of outputs. And that is you have to meet with each employee on some regular cadence. For me, I do a, I budget a 30 minute meeting with each direct report 
once every two weeks. And the structure of that is, is really simple. And I'll include the structure in the show notes as well. The first is we need to review the goal versus the actual performance. So what were they supposed to do? How did they, what did they actually do? And if there were gaps then and they're behind, then we need to understand what were the gaps? Like what was the problem? If they're ahead, then it's an attaboy or an opportunity to congratulate them and thank them. The second part is start. So are there any activities or behavior I want that employee to start? Stop is the same thing, uh, same thing, but it's just the opposite, right? So are there any activities or behaviors that I want them to stop and then continue again? Are the opportunity for me to bring to surface the things that I want them to focus on? These are the good things that they're doing, the behaviors that are fantastic and setting them apart. And then I end every single one-on-one with this question or a variation of this question. Is there anything you need from me in order to do your job? Sometimes I'll frame it with, can I do anything better as your manager? Now, I know that sounds crazy that I would put that sort of a power in the hand of the employee, but it is vital that you understand if there's anything that is getting in the way of them doing their job because they're getting paid to do their job and your job is to enable them to do that. So my action for you here is how often are you meeting with your direct reports to do actually dedicated one-on-ones? I'm not talking about daily stand-ups. I'm not talking about all hands meetings. I'm talking about just their performance. Once you canonize that, once you this becomes crystal clear, then it will also help you set a culture of measurement and accountability. All right, I've got two more tips. The fourth one is celebrate success. Gen Z loves recognition. Honestly, all of us love recognition. Gen Z loves it more. Consider a small discretionary fund that you can give to your managers so that they can do micro celebrations without your oversight, depending on the size of the organization, of course, right? So that gives the manager, even if it's $50 a month or $25 a month or $10 per employee or whatever, right? Setting a small amount of money aside that that manager then has the responsibility to deploy for a celebration can have a big positive impact on your culture. Managers will then have to look for opportunities to celebrate some of the work milestones that are being done, but then also these other kind of opportunities to celebrate, like they just got a new cat or, which has been coming up lately for me, (laughs) Uh, or, you know, they celebrating a six month anniversary with a boyfriend or girlfriend or a significant other, right? So like, it doesn't always have to be work related. You do have opportunities to be able to celebrate things, these micro celebrations that be mis- maybe misjointed or disjointed from, from work. I'll give you an example of a company that I'm on the board for. It's a solar company. They recognize their employees with videos. And these are usually tied to some sort of outstanding performance, kind of like an employee of the month. These videos, they use them and they place them in the public domain, like on their website and their social media accounts. Now, I'm on the board of this company and it's had two major outcomes. One is it attracts new talent that is in that employee's network. Now, that's really important because good people hang out with good people. The adage, you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most, 100% true. The second benefit is that it connects with the current and potential customers of the solar company. So this is vital because by publicly recognizing employees, you're actually making a statement about your culture. And buyers now prioritize an alignment of value systems when they're making a choice on both consumer products and B2B. I don't know if you heard the interview I did with the CMO of Qualtrics uh, about two years ago, but they've been doing this brilliantly in their culture from their inception. Uh, And they have an award that they give out, which is 
I mean, for lack of a better term, biggest failure of the month. When I did the interview with their CMO, he talked about how a customer support employee actually was working with a client tirelessly to resolve a critical issue. They took their phone into the restroom and they forgot to mute it. Now, obviously very embarrassing, but you can see how the winning of this award actually created this like framework or context for the balance of the employees that one, it's okay to fail. Two, this is actually kind of funny, but three, that this guy or person is actually caring a lot about the customer experience. The fifth tip is challenge yourself to see the other side. Now, this is the hardest thing of all the tips that I'll recommend. We all get dug into thinking that our view is the right view and is the real view and is truth. But the reality is truth is on both sides. I'm going to give you two video examples or audio examples, but you can see the actual videos in the show notes of a post. The first one is how employees may be taken advantage of. And then the second one is going to be how employers are being taken advantage of. Here are three laws your boss might be breaking right now at your jobs. Number one. Hey, I saw you tweeted about the mold and the rats, so I'm gonna have to fire you. I can post about my working conditions as long as it's true. You know that. Maybe you should fire me, because that lawsuit might actually pay me fairly, unlike you. Number two. Wait, you make how much more than me? Guys, I'm gonna ask that you don't talk about salaries. Shut, Shut up. up. Discussing salaries is our protected right. Yeah, knowing each other's salaries helps us know our worth. And I'm definitely worth more than what I'm getting now. You don't see his worth, and that makes you worthless. Number three. I've just noticed that some people are being harassed and feeling safe. Okay, well, we're just gonna ignore that, okay? Shut up. No, for real, this one's serious. If any of these are occurring at your job, it could be considered a hostile workplace and your employer could be held responsible. Wow, I didn't think you'd actually stop the bit and take this seriously. Shut up. Out here saying I don't take things serious when you're a lawyer who makes TikToks. Get out of here with your how do you do fellow kids looking at. Now, I know if you're an employer, you're probably really upset about that video. But here, really try to press through the upsetness and get to the context of what is being shared. Like there's reason that this is finding purchase. The second thing is, and you're going to think this is probably pretty funny. The audio is a little bit iffy. The video is much better, but here's a post on how some employers feel they are being taken advantage of. When you get that call first thing in the morning that you need to come out to a site where uh, one of your guys is working because shit went wrong. Not too many details given, but you get to come out to site and the guy's already gone home. Supposed to be clearing out some shit out of this here pond. What the fuck? Yep, there's my machine. Oh, ain't that fucking nice? Sunk. I'm so glad to fucking own a business. I have to sit here and wait on a fucking record now. Great. It is vital that we try and check our biases and prejudices at the door when managing staff. Now, I believe that the single greatest superpower a manager can have today is adaptability. By that, I mean the ability for you as a manager to not apply a cookie cutter approach to managing your staff. We all are unique. And in today's world, we expect our managers to manage us in a way of treating us as unique. I mean, it's just how it is. And we have to own that point of view. 
Now, for some further consideration, if you would like to learn more about the research that was done by Chris and Aaron, again, their information is in the show notes. Some of the data that I used for this report was gathered through HubUX. HubUX is a research operations platform for private panel management, qualitative automation, including video audition questions and surveys. If you'd like to learn more about that, please contact me, jamin at hubux.com. And lastly, you are invited to attend the MRX Pro's virtual lunch that I host every week. If you'd like an invitation to that, just DM me on LinkedIn. This is a group of UX, CX, and market researchers that meet every week for 30 minutes to do three things. Learn one new thing, make one new friend, and have some fun. So with that, happy researching.